On the line today from Kilcare Beach, just north of Sydney in Australia, we have Greg Van Borsum. Greg Van Borsum is a failed school kid who turned adversities into opportunities from martial arts to movies. Over the years, Greg has accomplished an incredible level of achievement, the world's youngest professional natural bodybuilder, a multiple black belt martial artist, a world pistol shooting champion, an award-winning Hollywood filmmaker, and now accredited speaker. It was battling through the losses of a number of colleagues, friends, and a family member to suicide that truly changed Greg's life. He knew that something needed to change. As a national ambassador and advocate for suicide prevention, Greg now speaks globally on suicide prevention and how poor leadership can negatively affect mental health. Greg Van Borsum, welcome to the Toastmasters podcast. Thanks for having me, Greg. Well, first thing before we get into the interview, I just wanted to say that our our hearts and thoughts and minds are going out to everyone there in Australia. How is your family holding out? Oh, my family's all, all good. I mean, we've we've had friends lose houses and you know bits and pieces on the properties. I mean, that's just the way it is right now. We don't complain. We just all knuckle down and get into it and try and fix things up. So the country's getting behind it, and bit by bit we'll get over it. Let's hope for some cooler weather and a little bit more rain. Yeah, for sure. Welcome to the program, and congratulations on achieving your accredited speaker designation. Yeah, thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about your journey. It didn't quite happen the first time, did it? No, first time I had to submit the video, and we don't video a lot of speeches back home here in Australia, so I managed to get a national convention to say they'd video it for me, and they promised me the world but delivered the atlas. I knew that would hurt me, which it did, so I didn't get through on part one of that that first year, so I I made a pact with myself that I would video the second year, (laughs) and second year I did get through to the stage. So that was in 2017 where you didn't quite make it to the stage. In 2018, you made it to the stage, but just... Yeah, I, I made it, and it was to this day now, and I've done a lot of things in my life I suppose I'm really proud of. However, this was probably one of the toughest moments I dealt with because I was meant to speak on suicide prevention on the 2018 stage, and about two days before I flew in, one of my fellow Toastmasters and a dear friend of ours took their life, and I had to help the police try and locate the body, and then I spent the rest of the trip over through Chicago helping the family through the situation which was a pretty tough time. So when I got backstage, I thought to myself, you know what, I just can't speak about this. It's going to be way too raw and I'm going to break down on stage, which doesn't look real professional. I had what we classify in bodybuilding as the white moment. When you get under a heavy squat rack and you're about to lift a heavy weight, everything goes white. And that was the exact thought process I had backstage. And all I remember was them calling out my name and walking out onto the stage with this title, Us, We, Together. And that was the only three words I had in my head. I didn't know what I was going to say to these people. I just knew I couldn't speak about suicide prevention. So I had to make up a new speech as I walked on stage. If anyone looks at the 2018 footage, you'll see me pacing around a bit at the start of the video because I was literally searching for what the hell I was going to say to all this audience who was there. And I managed to string a speech together. So, yeah, it was a pretty rough time. That's still going today. I'm still helping that family because it doesn't just come and go when someone takes their life or you lose someone like that. But this year I was determined, speech I gave this year in 2019, I was backstage and I was so calm and confident and ready because one of the most major losses I had in my life was my auntie and I gave that speech for her. Your speech was entitled, Are You Okay? A very yes. simple title, but yet extremely effective. Tell us just a little bit about your presentation. Well, the presentation starts with the last three lines of my auntie's letter before she took a life. I wanted to engage the audience in a personal part of the story before I started going into the facts. Whilst you have to deliver facts to people in a, in a speech and, and information, at the same time, you've got to engage people through story. I wanted to give some of my journey and some of our family's journey 
what took me down the path because you know I went through a really hard time after we did Fury Road and we nearly lost our home and all the rest of that stuff that went with it and you know I got to the edge of it myself and had I not had such a history of martial arts and strength behind me I might not have made it I got my way back I found my way back and fought my way back and on the way I, I taught myself the steps that it, it actually takes to bring yourself out of this stuff and I wanted to give that to the audience. I found the the structure very powerful. You started, you opened with speaking a little bit about your auntie, then you talked about the topic in general, and then you led into your own story, which I felt added more power because you were right there. I still remember, and it's just ingrained in my brain, how you talked about in 2014 that you were knee deep in the mud for, was it 70 hours a week? It was that message that just hit home with me. Yeah, and, and I was. And I mean, in all honesty, if the unions had seen where we were, they would have shut the site down. You know, and there was times that it was so tough that it, I was either shoveling mud off sheet pile walls, but I was down the bottom of this lift shaft almost in darkness. Then I learned how to oxy cut and I was cutting steel and pieces of steel would swing past me that were orange hot. And sometimes you just, you know, what, I don't even care if it hits me. And that's the mentality you get to that point. And then, you know, it wasn't until my birthday, 2014, when Benny, one of my coworkers, took, took his life that I went, you know what, this is a bigger problem than me. And I think one of the great things we need to learn as, as a human species is that you can't make things just about yourself. The things that we need to deal with and the things we want to face and fight need to be bigger than you. If you don't believe that, then you're never going to make it to where you want to get to. Once something gets bigger than yourself, when you're just thinking of yourself, you'll collapse. You've got to be after an objective that's larger than yourself. And I think, you know, suicide prevention, look, I, I wish I never had to speak on it because I wish it never happened. We can go on about all these prevention things as much as we want in the world, but at the end of the day, until we start re-engaging as people and start actually caring about each other again and not flicking each other a text and thinking that's fine, the day we change that back to walking up to someone and shaking their hand and giving them a hug, putting your arm around their shoulder and all those things we used to do so much as a, as a community, until we get that stuff back, we are going to suffer and keep losing people. It sounds like you're walking the walk and talking the talk. Obviously, in 2018, you could not give that speech when you got up on stage, but obviously you gave it this time and you keep giving it over and over, even though it's hard to relive. I'm assuming it's hard to relive, is it not? The interesting thing about talking about these things, and I've lost 12 people to this stuff, it's cathartic. It's a self-healing process. The more you speak about it, the more you understand it, and the more you can step back and look in on yourself in the third person. And I think that's really important with a lot of problems is that if we have the ability to step outside ourselves, and this is in any problem, you know, we've always got this great ability of solving anyone else's issues. You know, you look at someone, you go, God, I don't know what they're doing wrong. You know, that relationship they're in is terrible, and you could, but you can't do it with yourself. It's because you're trapped inside an issue. And, and what we have to learn to do is step outside the issue and look in on it as a third person, like we're viewing someone else's problem. And the solutions come to you when you do that. The biggest factor I ever learned is when you write it down, you can break it down because thought processes come to you in just massive waves. And when you're struggling, or when someone's going through hardships, even financial, whatever, when they all hit you, they hit you in this massive wave that just becomes overwhelming and then you can't deal with it. So if you write them down, then one by one, you can knock them off. I've got notes in front of me now on the computer, like sitting just in front of the screen of things I have to do. You know, my book that I'm writing right now has been a long process for me, but it's because I know there's always more to add to it. Can you give us a little hint as to what the book is called? What's it about? Well, it's called Remastermind. It's about mastering your mindset to remaster your life. So I work for 20 years with Dr. George Miller. And George did the Babe films, the Happy Feet films, the Mad Max films. A lot. He's done lots and lots of movies over his time. We became friends many years ago. But he's a wonderful director, a very strong gut director. George Miller always coined the phrase about me. He said, you're the master of remastery. He said, you've got this strange ability to be able to take your skill set from one area and shift it into the next area and the next one and the next one where you've got no skill sets and in no time become a, a master of it. 
it's because the essential foundations from each one are actually very similar. So no matter what you do in your lifetime, if you've had a, a great skill set in one area, you can transition those skill sets into the next thing as a foundation of that next skill set and you can build upon that. And it takes down the amount of time that it takes to master something by tenfold. You know, So I went from being an inexperienced shooter in 2006 to winning a world title in 2014, making the national team within six months of starting the sport because of the way I engaged the processes and how I learned how to go, well, th these are the bits that made me good at building. These are the bits that made me good at bodybuilding. These are the bits that made me good at this. And if I take those same processes and put it into this, then it's going to make me good at that. And it did. Speaking the same, I only joined Toastmasters in 2014. And that's when I gave my first speech was an icebreaker. And two days later, I gave a keynote in front of 500 of the world's top executives and, and sales executives for Henry Schein Halas, which I think is the eighth largest company in the world. And I'd never given a keynote in my life. And I remember saying to Debbie backstage, I said, this is either going to go really well or really badly. So I'll tell you in an hour. And I thought I botched it. I was on stage and I finished the presentation. I thought, God, it's been 15 minutes. This is gonna, what do I do for the next 40 minutes? And I looked at my watch and I'd been an hour. A lot of people wanted to speak and I managed to save a couple of people's lives out of that. So how else has Toastmasters helped you? Oh, look, Toastmasters really helped bring me back. You know, Toastmasters helped my mum. My mum was, you know, she's been in the magazine. She was a member of Toastmistress, and she had massive agoraphobia. It had come from a very abusive family, and she couldn't speak, needed to change that. And she knew that if she found the power of speech, it would help her. And she went down to Toastmistress, and she got up and said her name and trembled and sat down, and they clapped her. And she went back every fortnight for 21 years, became a president and this and that, and did all the roles, and it changed her entire outlook of life. And so when we were kids, she got us to do a speech craft course, which we did one and never went back. I, th I thought I was cool and I was good at it, which I really wasn't. And my sister didn't want to do it. And I didn't do it again for years. And until the night before I went to the Mr. Universe, you know, we went to a Chinese restaurant. I got a fortune cookie and the, this message fell out of it onto the table, which said, listen to your mother's advice. And she leaned across the table and put her arm around my shoulder and said, if I can give you one piece of advice go to Toastmasters and learn to speak. And I shunned it off. I said, what do I need that for? I went to the universe, did really well, came home, and there was a message on the answering machine from my school, my old school, inviting me back to be the guest of honor and the keynote speaker. I knew nothing about keynotes. So I wrote four bullet points down on a piece of paper. I think it was a serviette. And, and I rocked up on this night in front of 500 people, and I froze on stage. And I managed to fight through that and get something out speaking, which I think I condensed a 40-minute keynote into about 35 seconds. I was just looking for an exit to get out of there. And she found out that I'd gone really badly at speaking and put her arm around me when I got home and said, remember the fortune cookie. <laughs> and so a number of years later, I took her up on the offer and went, Toastmasters it is. And it's changed me. It made me someone who can actually speak now. And I love that I've learned the art of speaking because it's a craft and it's an art, but it has to be a passion. And your Toastmasters club is not around the corner. No, it's about 130 kilometers, which is probably, what, 70 miles, 80 miles each way. <laughs> so I still go there every two weeks. Uh, Greg, as our time comes to a close, just wondering if you can let people know where they can find you. They can get me on my through my website, gvbmindwarriors.com.au. That's probably got all the information on it. Uh, they can get me on Instagram, LinkedIn, all the other places, all under the same name, gvbmindwarriors. I hope they get in touch. I look forward to speaking and helping as many people as I can. Greg Van Borsum, thank you for taking the time. I wish you all the best. Thanks, Greg. Pleasure. Isn't it?